Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Football. You like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? Oh, Rick and Kirk. Comedy duel. Chum, the comedy stylings of <laughs> Rick and Kirk. You like that? I think I saw them at an open mic. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> they went on right before you? Quite the team. Yes, sir. How did your comedy show go last week? Uh, the it one was during like 12 feet of snow night, It was it? in, and I was expecting to work an empty room. Like the dude messaged me. It was at 12 Eyes Brewing in St. Paul. And the dude who put the show together, he messaged everybody on the lineup. He was like, hey, I know the weather is bad. I know the roads suck. If you can't make it, let me know. But the show's still on. And I was like, why, dude? Why? Nobody's going to be there. <laughs> so I was expecting to work an empty room, which I've done. Um, but the place was packed. The lineup leading up to me was great. So the crowd was rolling before I ever even went up on stage. And uh, I, I am willing to uh, deem it a successful debut in the Twin Cities awesome. comedy scene. I had a great time. Thanks to... Uh, Grant, who put the show together, and all the folks over at 12 Eyes Brewing, and especially the crowd that showed up. They were amazing, and I don't know how or why you went to a comedy show on a Wednesday night through 12 feet of snow, but God bless you that you did, because we had a great time. I so got thank one, you. one word for you. Yes. Booze. <laughs> they needed, with all of this snow which won't stop, we need booze. So did you, when, when you have done in your past empty rooms, or let's say there's, have you ever done a room where it's like, one or two people. I did a show once. Um, it was like in central Wisconsin, and it was a night much like last Wednesday. Where right. Was it at a quick trip or um, one of those restaurants that just says cheese? It was at a small dive bar in central Wisconsin. And so it, like, was with, it the Thorpedo? Without snow, I don't know. I don't remember the name of the place, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. With, without bad weather, it was like a 90-minute drive. And so it was me and two of my buddies were the lineup. And so we decided, like we did last Wednesday, but we were idiots in this case. We were like, we're doing this. We're like, it's stage time. We're getting money. We're doing this. We're going. So it took us three hours to drive, normally what would take an hour and a half. And we got there, and there were five people in this place. 
And what we realized quickly as we started this show is that these five people weren't there for a comedy show. They oh, were just no. they were just waiting out the snowstorm in the local watering hole. And here come these yahoos from oh, Milwaukee. And there's nothing to tell worse you than stupid jokes. There's nothing worse than a comedy show when you're not expecting <laughs> it because you just want peace and quiet right. and to get drunk. Yeah, that's all they wanted was to have a few drinks and hide from the snow. And here come us idiots wanting to talk about our private parts for twelve minutes. It, is there is there anything worse? <laughs> Pretty much all we want to do on this show, right? <laughs> is there anything worse than going to a bar to have a couple of beers and maybe talk to friends and it's karaoke night? It's, <laughs> or or it's, trivia it's, night? It's, it's karaoke, trivia, comedy. I'm way and more comedy out is on not tri- as much. I'm way more out on trivia night. I'm in on karaoke night. Trivia is everywhere I will cut now. a rug and I will get up there and I will blast your face off with... <laughs> More than words by extreme. Just on like a Tuesday night or something. But that's it. The problem with trivia night is it's like on a Monday night when I want nothing to do with people. I just want to sit there and drink my beer. And it's like, okay. When when you want nothing to do with people is all the time. Right. right? Okay. But I'm more willing to accept it on a Friday night. Like I deserve that. But I'm saying if you go out on a Monday night and you're sitting there at the bar and there's, you know, Petty's playing and life is pretty good. And then all of a sudden somebody gets on the mic. Do you want to play trivia? Come up to the top. We'll be starting at 8 o'clock. You know, what was the middle name of John F. Kennedy's niece? And it's like, no! You know, karaoke tip, too. People make this mistake all the time. They think, oh, it's karaoke night. It's about me. I'm going to sing a song that I like to sing. And so they'll pick some dumb, obscure song, and the room goes to sleep. Karaoke night is not about you. It's about the room. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you need to pick songs that are either funny Ironic, or they can get people all involved. I know people will pick the you know, piano man. Okay, at least it gets the room involved. Right. But if you go up there and you're just like single old guy singing depressed country songs from the 70s, you're ruining the vibe. Even worse Stop. than that is the person who can actually sing and goes up on karaoke <laughs> night and is and is real serious about it. But if you can actually sing, apply that talent to a hilarious song. Sure. Yeah, and okay. Now way. I can get down, but when they just want to show everybody in the in in the room on karaoke night that I got these pipes. Like nobody cares, yeah. dude. I'm good enough We're not to here sing. to see good singers. Yeah. I'm good enough to slay the Roseville VFW, but not good enough <laughs> to get a golden ticket on American Idol. Yeah, that's a good point. So, anyways, uh-huh. let's play a game called What Didn't Rick Spielman Say Today at the NFL Combine? Okay. Judd, set us up here. I've got four sound bites here. Um, I don't know how you want to just play random sound yeah, bites. Just play, oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just play them. Okay. And what's the framework of this? The, We're going to try and figure the out frame, if he's. The framework is that, that uh, Rick likes to answer questions by talking in circles. And so he will say, he will say a lot of words. And in your mind, you might be thinking, well, that's interesting, but it's not. He is basically trying to confuse you, and he, he wants you to forget the question that you asked. So it really comes back to when you get done with these sound bites, what didn't he say? Not what did he say. Okay. You know, I think as this sports science evolves, I think as we get more and more sophisticated in the, the psychological aspect of everything, um, because quarterbacks are maybe different than any other position, uh, there could be guys that physically can throw the ball better than anyone in this draft, uh, could run faster than anyone in this draft. Uh, but I don't, don't know if those are the critical factors. They, you know, they are. But you see a lot of quarterbacks that may not have been physically at the top of the list when they came out of here. But because of what's in their mind, what's in their heart, 
uh, how they approach it uh, makes a huge difference at that position. And I think that's what everybody's trying to put an answer on. Uh, and those are a lot of times subjective things you're trying to get you know, to uh, an objective decision. What Rick didn't say there is, why are you guys asking me? I drafted Christian Ponder with the 12th overall pick one time. <laughs> he is trying, yes, he's trying to say, this is why I, I can't find one. <laughs> but he started, I'm asking these same questions, guys. I don't know what the answer honestly, is. Honestly, he started with sports science, right? He started with and evaluating quarterbacks. And, right, right. But by the time he got done, it's like, I have no idea what the question was other than the fact that Rick is trying to exonerate himself from not being able to find a quarterback. All right, what didn't Rick say? This is him commenting on bringing in Gary Kubiak as sort of an overlord, and Kevin Stefanski is the offensive coordinator, so there's an interesting dynamic here. But he also, I know in his career right now, and he's mentioned this, uh, was to mentor a young coach like a Kevin Stefanski, who I think is going to be an all-star in this league. And to take that experience, uh, and what's unique about Kevin is that he has no ego. And when we brought up the fact that uh, a, a guy of Gary Kubiak's stature could come into our building, he was the one that was the biggest flag waver for uh, Gary Kubiak. He wants that. And that's what makes, I think, our building a little unique. No one really has an ego. Everybody whatever resources we can use, whatever areas of expertise we have all these people in, let's all do it together because ultimately we want to win. And when you can get a group of people together in a culture, and that, that starts with Coach Zimmer, the culture that we have set, that's, that's, that gives you the best chance to win, in my opinion. So what Rick didn't say there is, no, I didn't undercut my offensive coordinator and my head coach by bringing in a Super Bowl winner. Everybody's cool with this, guys. Chill out. It's fine. There's no problem here. We don't have too many cooks in the kitchen. Things are good. Yeah, and Kevin's going to like it. It is amazing, and I credit Mike Zimmer first and foremost there is, when you talk about no ego, no ego, Mike Zimmer's the one in this particular case, everyone has an ego if you're a head coach in the NFL. So it's not that he doesn't have an ego, but he doesn't have an ego about bringing in smarter people than he is offensively, right? Mike Zimmer has flat out said the last five years, I would really rather just not deal with offense. I'll come into the room if I have to, but I'm going to build a defense over here. And so... He's brought in former head coaches to be coordinators, to be position coaches. But in Norm's case, he started questioning him, and, and it went sideways because of that. So it obviously needs to be the right personality. All right, this is Rick Spielman on Kirk Cousins. And the game here is, what didn't Rick say? You know, I, I think, you know, Kirk's, because of the, the position and the contract, is going to get, get a lot of blame, but the blame has to be spread throughout. You know, our, our season was good enough for our standards last year. But statistically, if you look at what Kirk did, I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, but we didn't win enough games. So I think going back to an offense that may he is very familiar with and working under that Shanahan-Kubiak tree and really him playing better, but everybody has to play better. We all have to do better at our jobs. But him highlighting things that he does well and putting – but that's any player. Do the things that they do well, and that's what I talked about earlier, is you have your schemes, but adjust some of the things in your scheme so you put your players in the best position to have success. What Rick didn't say there 
was that Kirk Cousins isn't that good, but we can't really say it because he's got too much of a fragile ego to be able to say such things. So we have to prop him up like he's a good quarterback. He's really not. Jonathan coming in with the, with the dagger. Oh. Uh, yeah, like obviously, if you're Rick Spielman, you're pro- if you could really say what you want to say there, it's I don't regret the signing, but. His teeth are a little too white. I don't know if I, I don't know if I trust the guy that puts weird shapes of meat on their grill. We all we didn't have, know about his Instagram account. We all have to do a better job, but we also had to just go out and hire um, assistant head coach offense of a guy who won Super Bowls at another job because this Yahoo isn't good enough to do it himself. That's what, so, so we got, but what I love again is he took that, that question and think about the amount of directions this goes. I mean, by the time he's done, he's basically saying, well, he has to do better, but he did pretty well. And by the way, we all have to do better. And by the time he's done, I'm so confused. I don't know what the hell he's <laughs> well, doing. If I were in, as I, in 2019, if I were a coach or a general manager and I'm at podiums and answering questions, I would just pull the Brett Favre tactic. I know I got to be up here for 15 minutes. I'm going to do all the talking. Right. I'm going to ask myself questions so that you only get like three. We talked about this today on Purple Daily, wasn't it? When uh, yes. when I was working in Milwaukee, former Brewers GM Doug Melvin, who's a great dude and will have as open and honest a conversation as a GM can have with the media, but to minimize how much he was going to end up telling you, when you asked him a question, Doug Melvin was going to take four minutes to answer your question. So if you had him for 10 or 15 minutes, you were going to get two, maybe three questions in, yeah. thus minimizing how much info you can actually mine out of him. Strap in. Right. <laughs> Which is not to be confused with the with Favre, who would ask himself questions and do the same thing, but would provide you with a ton of information that drove the team crazy. Yeah, he wasn't looking to avoid he was questions just talking to himself. Or he was like... Ah, I love this. I love me some me. Is Percy love hurt? Me some football. Is Percy hurt? And you don't know about it? Maybe it might be an ankle. So that's the difference there. All right. When we come back here, I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami. It's the segment that has taken the world, or at least I don't know. I love it. It's taken Phil by storm. Phil Mackie, guys. Thank you. Uh, in other news, when we come back here, it's Phil Mackie here from the all-new Score North on 1500 and ScoreNorth.com. We've made it easier than ever to find our team-centric Minnesota sports podcast. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, just search Score North. That's S K O R, and you'll find Score North Vikings, for instance, which includes Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, and Vikings Ventline. Score North Wolves includes Raised by Wolves, Myron Medcalf on hoops and more. Score North Twins includes Touch 'em All, Royce on Baseball, and more, and so on. Just search Score North S K O R wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you, Jonathan. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on fifteen hundred and ScoreNorth.com. That was a traffic rant. <laughs> that was <laughs> not traffic. That, that was not yeah. Jonathan. Can you tell I'm bitter about this morning? Yeah, it's not hard. I but you were all, ranting. Yeah. You're like, okay, let's take a look. All you people who went in <laughs> late idiots. are causing accidents now. What? So and if just, you're listening, I hate you. Are we just playing what Jonathan didn't say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is, for, for people who are who are, are uh, just joining us here or want the backstory, so we have been waiting all off season here, leading up to the launch of Minnesota United season and Allianz Field. Our staff, and actually, I think I'm the only one in the room who uh, made it through the trudge this morning. But like Jonathan is the soccer head of our right group, right? Yeah, and and I'm sure like 
I mean, the three of us like to drink a beer. We're going to go hang out at a soccer game. But, like, Jonathan's going to do the pre, half, and post, and we'll probably sleep there on occasion. <laughs> he's passionate. But he's never seen the, the new stadium yet. Yep. Okay. So we have this thing planned. And Jonathan oh, lives no. on the border of Iowa. So. <laughs> it's not that far. It's pretty far. <laughs> it's an hour drive. So he, his first text was, hey, I'm running a little, running a little bit late. Oh, no. Traffic's bad. And uh, no. so I shot him a note. It was, like, 15 minutes. We were, we were holding it up from Manny, and, like, I was yeah. late. Everyone was late because traffic was bad. And I can just envision Jonathan, sad Jonathan, in his car when I say, "How how close are oh, you?" Oh no, it wasn't sad, Jonathan. It was irate, it Jonathan, was punching yes. the steering wheel, Jonathan. Yes. And I said, I, I texted, "How far away are you?" Any idea? And he texts thirty. Oh. <laughs> you do, you do Drinks live cyanide. a long ways away. It's an hour drive, but it there on days like this morning where it was like a half inch of snow. There should be no reason my drive time goes from an hour to two and a half hours like it was today. I was planning That's absurd. I was planning to attend the the tour of Allianz Field, and then I I was literally about to walk out the door and open Google Maps to see how long a commute I had, and I was just like, <laughs> Nah, screw that. <laughs> I opened Google Maps. I opened Google Maps to figure out how to get to Allianz Field, and it said two hours. I'm like. What? That's not reasonable. What's going on here? It's the same distance. It should only be an hour. And then I looked. I'm like, oh, there's like 18 accidents. Yeah. Awesome. I love how Rami Rami goes out. He's like, looks at his phone and goes, oh, like soccer? Don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> Rami's my type of guy. Very practical. Uh, so it's Wednesday, and we. my vote is we do this four times a day on our show every single day. <laughs> but it's a new segment that we unveiled a couple weeks ago called In Other News. This is where we bring you news stories from outside the sports world and outside the world of normal human beings. We start In Other News off with a follow-up to a story I did on In Other News a few weeks ago. Remember the young man who fought off a mountain lion attack? That's right. He has it was more fought- like a mountain kitten. Yeah, okay, but- it was a quote-unquote juvenile mountain lion. <laughs> I didn't make that up. That's in the article I'm reading right now. The runner who had killed a juvenile mountain lion in self-defense. So he killed a kid, basically. <laughs> he and killed he, a child. He killed a he killed a child house cat. I was hoping that they'd have more details on how big this big cat was in this in this follow-up story that I'm reading because in the original story we know it was a juvenile, but they said that the weight might be hard to determine in the autopsy because other animals had come and picked up oh, the carcass. Do you, know, do you uh, know? Yes. Do you know that since you originally read that that story when mm-hmm. I was th- thinking to myself, my god, the man nearly died. How impressive. <laughs> I now feel bad for th- the juvenile mountain I lion. Do too. Like, like I'm like, how little was well, wait, this? Like, wait I'm, until you hear the story. I hope this guy's in jail. Just so, wanted to be scratched behind the yeah, ears, and this so, guy snaps its neck like Chuck Norris. It's like what, thirty-one. It's purring. It actually, it is kind of Chuck Norris. Like he gives details. He's thirty-one-year-old Travis Kaufman, who himself only stands. Let me see here. Uh, five foot ten, one hundred and fifty-five pounds. So he's a slight guy himself. I would imagine it was probably a pretty fair fight, but uh, he's out on a run. On February 4th, on what they called a uh, abnormally warm day in California, said, quote, I just kind of heard some pine needles rustling behind me. Sometimes he doesn't turn around because it's usually just a deer or a squirrel. This time, Kaufman did turn and saw a mountain lion about 10 feet away. One of his, uh, he said, the, he felt the reality of the situation in his gut, in his gut, quote, one of my worst fears was confirmed. He put up his arms and screamed to try and intimidate the lion, as wildlife experts suggest, but the lion lunged. 
Every time I hear a wildlife expert suggest that, I'm like, okay, dude, I'm sure that's going to scare the lion away if I put my hands up and go, rawr. Like, that's, that's not going to do anything. And it obviously didn't work here. He says its jaws locked onto my hand and wrist and pretty much stayed there the whole time. The big cat wrapped itself around the man's body and dug its front claws into his back. Kaufman, who has been a cat dad, again, not my terminology, for the past six months, knew how dangerous a cat's back legs can be, and they can be. I don't know if you guys have ever felt the wrath of a cat's back legs. Yeah, Oh, yeah, Tigger constantly, and Tommy, too, in my household. <laughs> so Kauf- They have an Instagram account, if you want me to tell you Do about they really? It. No, Tigger no and Tommy? Nope, nope, I'll we don't follow. have to get on that. <laughs> Kaufman <laughs> said he felt a wave of fear, worried the young cat's mother might be nearby and might join in the fight. I can't believe he's thinking that clearly while this yeah, is going on. Like, where is mom? I question this guy. Me too. I As, question him. He says, but it was just the two of them locked in a struggle of life or death. They tumbled together 20 feet off the trail into a gully. The lion was now on its back, but its teeth were still firmly clamped onto the man's wrist, and it was still scratching him with its claws. Kaufman used one leg to, this is where he gets Chuck Norris on the thing, used one leg to pin the animal's hindquarters to the ground. He then tried subduing the creature with sticks, he said, but they were rotten and did no damage. So he grabbed a rock and started smashing it onto the cat's head, stunning the creature. That's when Kaufman says he screamed a quote, again, not my terminology, barbarian yell and went in for the kill. I got my right foot onto its neck and then I was able to get some weight onto its windpipe and that's when... And that's when it eventually suffocated. All told, he said the battle lasted about 10 minutes. Only when the cat was dead did it finally release its grip on Kaufman's wrist. That makes me sad Me to too. Hear. Yeah. Can I make a suggestion? Join a gym. <laughs> Stay off the trails? Yes. Like, if you think that there might be a chance that wildlife is going to attack, oh. join uh, LA Fitness. You know what? A de- I, I missed this detail that I was actually looking for when I read this story before the show. According to CPW, the juvenile lion weighed between 35 and 40 pounds. That's a fat house cat. It really is. I, Honest to God, I'm we not- have a house cat that weighs for sure more than half that, probably like 20 pounds. I feel bad. For the juvenile mountain lion. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I feel bad. 35 pounds? What would you do? Well, I would be... I, well, if I was going to let's run... Let's say you're a runner. If I was going uh-huh. to run, I would be on a treadmill somewhere. No, but okay. let's say how, you're how a much? runner, you're on a trail, you're attacked by I a mountain lion. That, that, would, be, that mountain, would be like saying, what, what, what would I do if I came in to close the seventh game of the World Series? <laughs> it's pure folly, Rami. Okay, how much do you... I'm just, just out of curiosity. You said this... You said this uh, this mountain lion, yeah, juvenile mountain lion, weighed what thirty five to thirty five and forty pounds. Okay, just for fun, uh-huh. I'm on Google here. Mm-hmm. How much do kindergartners weigh? <laughs> That's a weird Google search. An average <laughs> on a work computer too. An average four year old uh, human weighs about forty pounds. So if a if a kindergartner came up to you with some, let's say they had some. Strong. They got some nails, strong right? back legs, and fangs. Yeah, and, and, and like a and jaw were, that can lock onto you and, and end your life. But would you be okay? Even those things. Okay. <laughs> I feel like he's over exaggerating how much his life is really in danger. That's what my point is. I would imagine it's it's that thirty five to All forty right. pounds is a lot of muscle mass and sharp objects. Okay, that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm also not buying the tumble. 
I'm not as impressed. The tumble, the tumble to me sounds like sounds like action. I'm not as impressed as I was when I first no. read the headline a few weeks ago. Man kills mountain lion with bare hands. I'm not impressed, but I don't. I don't. I don't fault the guy at all. If it's me or a juvenile mountain lion, that juvenile mountain lion's dying, dude. If I have anything to say about it, I don't know. Would you guys take mercy on it? I would find a way to befriend it. I think I would try to. <laughs> You know, if you if you if you scratch in the right places. In other news, this is from the Palm Beach Post website. I'm going to read this and I'm going to try not to give it away at the beginning and see if you guys. It might be that the story just like leads us to the to the giveaway here. But uh, a man named Shane Anthony Melee, Shane Anthony Melee mm-hmm. of Riviera Beach. Mm-hmm. Confessed he stole rare coins and other items valued at three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So he he stole rare coins valued at three hundred fifty thousand dollars from a North Palm Beach office back in December. Uh, he stole uh, uh, he sold some of them and then ran uh, ran the rest through a change machine. Here's the problem. Oh God! He only got face value for the oh, coins in the change machine. <laughs> He easily had $33,000 worth of just the rare coins and dumped it into a Coinstar machine. And so instead of getting the money that he thought he was stealing, the value of the coin, like an old coin or whatever it was that might be worth, let's say it's a, you know, a nickel from, I don't know, I'm making this up, from a different country 200 years ago. Right. It's worth more than five cents. Worth thousands of dollars. Correct, yeah. No, he put it into a Coinstar machine and uh, got far, far less. Uh, he was booked on the evening of February 1st at the Palm Beach County Jail, charged with grand theft of more than $100,000, even though he got far less than $100,000 by putting these coins Didn't through. Didn't he know he was stealing coins. rare coins? Isn't that why he stole them? It's possible he just thought he was stealing coins. He thought he was just taking like 35 cents from somebody. He thought it was a give a penny, take a penny thing. Well, there's probably a bunch of coins. Well, we're probably talking about, what about like buckets this idea? of coins here. What about this idea? We capture the mountain lion. We then take it to where this guy is incarcerated. We then allow the juvenile mountain lion to have it shot at this dunderhead, and we kill two birds with one stone. Uh, here's the problem, too, for the guy who got the coin stolen from him. Quote, there's no insurance that covers this kind of thing, really. Not at the losses we're talking about. It's put me in a world of hurt. So they didn't find they didn't retrieve the coins from the coin star? Uh I don't know if they retrieved the coins or not. It looks like they may not have and maybe they're back in circulation. I was going to say did somebody get them out? Cuz there's like a like you, a, a several weeks <laughs> gap like, here. You'd be like who wants this? Yeah. Uh so at the beginning of the story is Michael Johnson envisioned Shane Anthony Melee standing uh sending those commemorative potential uh, presidential dollars spiraling down a slot to be converted from $33,000 worth wow. of collectibles. To just enough store credit to buy a couple of 12 mm. packs of beer. <laughs> wow. So there's that. Okay. In other news, Dateline, Huntsville, Alabama. Alabama police say a dispute over crab, uh, crab legs at a dinner buffet ended in a brawl that left two people facing misdemeanor charges. 
Huntsville police officer Gerald Johnson said he was eating at the Meteor Buffet restaurant when a fight broke out. Johnson tells a TV station that diners were using service tongs like fencing swords and plates were shattering and a woman was beating a man. Johnson said diners had been waiting in line for crab legs for more than 10 minutes and they lost their tempers once the food came out. The station reports that Chiquita Jenkins is charged with assaulting John Chapman who suffered a cut on his head. Chapman is charged with disorderly conduct. Court records aren't available to show whether either person has a lawyer. I can guarantee you, you don't need court, court records. The answer He's, is no. They were fighting because they, they were waiting more than 10 minutes for crab legs? Yes. We're doomed as a society. We we have you no think? hope as a human race. Have you read the news if, today? If we like, if Firefest, if the documentary about Firefest didn't convince you of that, the way people turned on each other, like as soon as the sun went down, when they realized that they were in a bad situation, people are attacking each other because they had to wait ten minutes for all you can eat crab okay. legs. In fairness, are there foods that you guys would start to take some sort of prime rib eat, eating utensil and fence someone prime else for prime rib? Prime rib, no question. Mm. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Deep dish pizza for me. Yeah. Mm. I think, I'd stab you. Yeah. If you <laughs> stole a slice. I think the one thing from Huntsville that's pretty cool here, they were using service tongs like fencing swords. That's the best that's part. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, like that's we're not great. talking you know about that is? knives. That's great writing. That's great writing right there is what that is. But think about it. If you picked up, that's actually, it's sort of cool. I'm trying to envision them like wearing the full, the full padded garb. On guard. <laughs> Is that a service dog? That should be the theme of a restaurant. Like you can go in and joust with, with tongs. The food is free for the winner. Uh, but there's a free trip to the hospital for the loser. The winner gets their all-you-can-eat crab legs. Uh, you got one more, Rami? I have two more, actually. Do we, if we only have time for one more? Save one for okay. maybe if we do it again Friday. Do you want a story about people I hate because they have too much money or people I hate because they have too much time on their hands? Time on their hands. Time on their hands. In other news, they came covered in blue paint, donning red and white hats, nearly 3,000 in all. Their goal was simple, to break the world record for the largest group of people dressed as Smurfs. <laughs> Oh. The group oh, yeah. Da Tradi- Traditions Virin <laughs> organized the event in Lauchengren, Germany, on Saturday near the border with Switzerland. They had strict rules. They had strict rules about breaking the Smurf gathering record. In order to be counted, participants couldn't show any non-blue skin racist. They could dress as Papa Smurf (laughs) with his trademark red cap and a white beard or Smurfette with blonde hair and a white skirt or dress. Normal Smurfs were okay, too, but some characters like the evil wizard Gargamel were strictly off limits. The group posted on Facebook that 2,762 losers showed up who had far too much time on their hands. We should round these people up and lock them away. So this reminds me of, you guys ever drive around, they do this on University of Minnesota campus. I've seen it over by Van Cleve Park. So there's that, it's over by Siebert Field, kind of across from Siebert Field, where you'll see 100 people in a wide open field Dressed up as characters from the medieval days, and they're—I believe it's called LARPing. Yes, yes. Live, live action, action role play. Okay, yes. you guys have seen this before. I've yes. seen this before, and they're like—they're acting out fight scenes yep. and and I don't know, play scenes. Also, losers like, with like, too much time on their hands. But these people were simply there to look like Smurfs and be the largest gathering of people who look like Smurfs. Why is that even a record? 
Why is that something that someone ever attempted, much less something that somebody is trying to outdo? How bad did they break the record? Um, well, Guinness has yet to confirm the feat. The standing uh, record is held by a group of 2,510 losers in the United Kingdom in 2009. Traditions Viren first ad- attempted to break that record in 2016, apparently failing to do so. Rami just brought up a question I've had for a long time. Who is Guinness and who gets to decide this stuff? I mean, like, it's probably some guy in an apartment who's just a jokester. Oh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to have 764 people as Smurfs. (laughs) It says here in our, like, seriously, who is Guinness? I don't know, but it's amazing. I used to read the Guinness Book of World Records all the time when I was a kid, when you could go to the library and. And you could see who's the world's tallest man. I now, like, a, we went from who's the world's tallest man right. to largest gathering right, of but, Smurf people. Yeah. But that's the difference. When I was a kid, I felt like it was it was sort of stupid stuff. Yeah, but like, but I mean, like who who even yeah. decides that that okay that is the record? So before we wrap with Royce Judd, I have a question for you. If if somebody wanted to attend oh, one God, of these events, does Seek have tickets? For, for stuff like this? Like, could you go watch a bunch of people dressed, dressed up as Smurfs? Oh, my God. I'm looking at a video of them all dancing now. Oh, I... Well, let's just say this. Yes, they would. W- would they think you're absolutely crazy? Yes. But you know what? Because SeatGeek is the best place to get tickets for the big game. It's the best place to get tickets for the game, period. And there's two key things. Okay, so you're going to go to the Smurf convention, right? But you're saying to yourself... <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, but say you were. And you're saying to, to yourself, the most important thing here is I want the tickets, but... Whom can I trust to get the tickets? Because this is a big Smurf deal. And the answer in both cases... deal is how they would say it. Exactly, yeah. Rami. The answer is SeatGeek. Because SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. So you know what you can do? You can easily find the seats you want for the price that you're willing to pay. I mean, let's say it's 500 bucks because it's the Smurfs. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. All you have to do is go to SeatGeek.com and you will see all of the ticket buying options. I'm at SeatGeek.com right now. I'm looking at NCAA Men's Basketball Final Four tickets. I'm looking at concert tickets for Michael Buble. I'm looking at Rolling Stones tickets. Because by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats that fit your budget. SeatGeek, your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater to Smurf shows. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code JUDD today. That's promo code JUDD, J-U-D-D, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, and guess what? We have the tickets. All right, thank you, Jonathan. We wrap with Patrick Royce every day here. I'm Mackie and Judd with Rami. Uh, so uh, the Scornarth account tweeted the question at 4 o'clock. Do you think Mike Zimmer is underappreciated? I retweeted yes. Patrick retweeted no. Pat, your thoughts? Why would any? Why would anyone consider him underappreciated? He still received uh, very uh, uh, positive feedback uh, from the public and pretty much from the media, and he's done okay. He's okay, but he's certainly not underrated. Uh, in fact, uh, this season he was vastly overrated. He had a terrible year, so that's my opinion. He's one of the top ten football coaches professional football coaches in the world and we're talking about well should they extend him by a year i guess we'll give him the 2020 extension. oh yeah you can extend him for a year what the hell it's only money they got some they make so much of it they want to why not extend him for a year but uh he's one of the top 10 coaches in the nfc i would say 
One of the top <laughs> top ten coaches in the NFC. One I got of the that. Top yeah. 10 coaches right. in the NFC. I got that. I got that. The, the guy. What the guy. Royce. What do we got? Sixteen. Oh, sixteen. Yeah, he's in the top ten. Okay. The All guy right. who who deserves more appreciation right now is my guy Boods. Because Boudreaux's taking this. He's got. He's got <laughs> guys playing. Yeah. You killed this conversation in a hurry, man. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. How so? I said my guy Boots. Boudreaux's doing great. Judd, want, Judd wants to talk hockey, damn it. Yeah. We went we went 70 seconds on the Zimmer topic, and it's over. Now we're moving on. Okay, Boots, yes. Well, do you want I, if you want to rip Zimmer more, that's fine. You can rip Zimmer more. No, I'm not, no, I'm not really ripping him. I'm just saying why I don't think he's, uh, you know, underappreciated. Uh, he's, not, he's gotten very minimal heat. For a pathetic season that he certainly was involved in helping produce. Don't you think, so. though, that the fact that his worst pathetic seasons are like 500, that that all, there's a lot of teams in the NFL well, that have pathetic you seasons. Were 13 and 3 and spend 84 million for a quarterback. Well, the no. pa- look at the Packers. What? I mean, the Packers had a disastrous season with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers as their quarterback. <laughs> Yes, but of course the Packers did have about 15 straight years of uh, being pretty good. So. That's true. Anyway. What about Bruce Boudreaux? What are your what thoughts? About Boots? Come on, let's talk about Boots. That's a heck of a win last I don't know. I, uh, this has uh, been quite a four-game winning streak. This is perfection for Judd uh, because they're back in contention and they made all the trades. Well, they didn't make them all. Zucker's still here. I was trying to get him moved, too. I was trying to get all well, four moves. Didn't he get the big? Didn't he get the big goal last night? Tie her up. He did. He did. But but they they supposedly had a trade with Calgary all worked out before the deadline, and it was set to go, and mysteriously didn't get through, and nobody knows why. So he tried Carly to trade all four of those guys. Tra- Carly didn't want him. To, is it Carly? Yeah, Carly. Yeah, Carly. Carly Appen, didn't yeah. want him to be traded. She's having too much fun being a celebrity locally. So that's that's what I'm hearing. Okay. That's 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 what they're saying down here in Fort, Fort Myers. Uh, Charlie canceled the traders. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pat, something else I learned from your Twitter account at Patrick underscore Roycey is that you you had a salad for dinner tonight and a salad you made I, by yourself no, for yourself. The, it's it's still sitting in the refrigerator. Uh, but I I had this uh, leftover lettuce from BLTs. And then I saw a nice cucumber salad at uh, Fresh Market today. So I said, okay, I can fry up a little bacon, put these two oh, okay. things together, and have dinner. Wow. And then I then I had some crumbly blue cheese left over. So don't worry. It's not a healthy salad. <laughs> salad I was know. worried about you. Now, don't worry. I, I, I've already fried up the bacon. It's in there fermenting. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have dinner. I'm going to have uh, a salad for dinner made by me. Well, that is. Did, uh, did you happen to? Uh, well, let me ask you this: How do you feel about pot roast? Are you a pot roast guy? Nah, I can take it and leave it. Not. So that's uh, what I not, said yesterday. Not, not either. That's what I said yesterday, nah. and I mocked Rami for uh, Rami. So I'm going home and putting a pot roast in. But I then, said I was going to put a roast in the oven, not a pot roast. I said I was going to put a roast yeah. in the oven, yeah. and it was. Uh, well, you put a roast. You put a roast in the oven. It's. That means you're not going to eat till midnight, right? It doesn't take if you're going to if you're going to slow cook the damn thing. It takes three hours. No, it took about it took about an hour and a half. Share I, that tweet with Pat, though. I did some Send dishes. Pat that tweet. I walked the dog. I roasted some potatoes, you and it was seen ready this. to go. The, Pat, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send it to you, Pat. But what it is is it's called an Al Capone roast. 
And uh, it's it's beef tenderloin, pork tenderloin, Italian sausage, a couple different kinds of salami, ham, Parmesan, mozzarella, and herbs all rolled into a... It sound terribly healthy. No, no, it doesn't. No, it's not meant to be. Anyway, no. I, I didn't even pay any attention to what happened to our fighting twins in Clearwater today. I was working on something else. So uh, how, how what, did anything happen up there? I heard Brent Rooker hit one to... Uh, kingdom come, but uh, beyond that, I didn't hear anything. That's the the only thing I saw. I have no idea if they won or lost. Uh, I saw the Rooker thing, but actually, oh, now that you brought up Rooker, Pat, is with Max Kepler under contract and Eddie Rosario is going nowhere and the hope is high for Byron Buxton, I think the next two guys knocking on the door in the outfield are Alex Kirloff and Brent Rooker. Um, what's their what's their, their plan? Well, I, mean, I was... I was asking one of their scouts about this, and I said, uh, "What if and now that they're on the Kepler bandwagon, what happens?" And he said, uh, "Kepler Kirilov can play first base." Okay, and uh, so, so they don't, uh, you know. So Crohn's a one and one and done, maybe. Well, you know, they only gave him a one-year contract, so if he works out as well as Logan Morrison, he might be a half a season and done. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, that's they. They said that uh, Kira, both Kirilov and Kepler. Well, I don't think they won't move Kepler. He's, they think he's a really good outfielder. But they talk about Kirilov being a, Kirilov being a potential first baseman. So hmm. that would uh, that would work out. So, hey Patrick, anywho, Patrick, what? your thoughts on Fran McCaffrey, who you've told me before, he, <laughs> he and his wife get a little bit mad sometimes. Reported, uh, reportedly calling an official last night a cheating mother bleeper and a bleeping yes. disgrace, and he was suspended today by Iowa for two games. After a 20-point loss, did the officials really uh, really cause you to lose by 20 to Ohio State? Yeah, he's crazy. And, of course, his wife is Maggie Nolan, who was a great player at Creighton. And, uh, and she was uh, famous. I think she's kind of kept quiet at Iowa. But at Siena once, she was sitting in the press conference and asked him and, and had a press and asked him a question about the horrible officiating. And McCaffrey said, "Ah, this isn't the right time for it, Maggie." <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, they said. I think she got. Uh, I don't think she got thrown out, but she got threatened to be thrown out of a game. And I think again that was at Siena, not at Iowa. But yeah, I think he's going to end up costing himself his job by being crazy. Yeah, and like he's, you know, it's. I feel like if you're going to be that crazy, you at least have to have a little bit of resume to back it up, right? If you're, if you're John he's Calipari, okay. you can freak out on an official once in a while. Yeah, yeah, he's done out. He's done okay down there, but he hasn't been good enough to act like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, at some point when you're storming down that hall and you think that uh, you you want to shout out the big uh, two-word bomb there, uh, you might have that thought for about one, two seconds. This isn't really a good idea. Maybe he said, uh, listen, I didn't say you were a bleep. Maybe he said, (laughs) I didn't say you were a bleep. I said, you're acting Uh, like a bleep. (laughs) I heard a great story today, by the way, from somebody on, I'm writing this thing on the lightning, and I talked to Phil Esposito, And I forgot, I'd, and then I was talking to somebody who covered Phil about how crazy he is. And apparently, a female writer agitated him once, and he suggested that she should perform fellatio, you know. And then his 
defense was she accused him of telling telling her to have to perform that service with him and he said no it was anyone it wasn't you know his defense was he didn't tell her to do it with him he just told her to do it in general just in general any one of you three guys well, it you know, have to be him who wants to sign up that was his that's and of course that reminded me of uh, of my defense which fell on deaf ears yeah. i'm gonna tell <laughs> that story to rami now off the air <laughs> pat we'll talk to you tomorrow see you, all right, see you, pat. All right uh, up next live on score north on 1500 it's sage rosenfels from the combine the south dakota stories volume one she was a city girl but always somewhere else in her head Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what do we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.